it would be akin to me murdering someone with a gun right. and then having it Just in my house in with my a closet. note saying gun, gun for, for killing cats killing cats <laughs> right Poison History is a podcast about chemical poisons and how they've been used for nefarious purposes throughout history. Some of the subject matter in this podcast might not be suitable for young people, and nothing discussed in this podcast should ever be tried at home or anywhere else. I'm your host, Suzanne, and I'm a chemist. Welcome. Today I have my first guest, who might become a recurring guest if I can convince him. John has a unique outlook on any topic, and I'm thrilled that he agreed to do this with me. He will definitely be invited back. If you would like to suggest topics for the show, you can send them to poisonedhistorypodcast at gmail.com. The references for the show are in the show notes. Enjoy the show. All right. So what we're going to do today is we're going to do a story about this couple, Florence and James Maybrick. They're British. And... Um, so what I'll do is I have this timeline. I'll just go through the timeline. Mm -hmm. So we start with their early history. James Maybrick was born in 1838 in Liverpool, England. He was the third of seven sons. His father was an engraver, and he grew up. James grew up to be a successful cotton merchant. So it was 1838. Uh, so this is like the 1870s. He's a cotton merchant. So when he was 20, uh, I guess in 1858, he met a shop girl in London who became his mistress for... The rest of his life. So he was married? Nope. He had a mistress. You can have a mistress and not be married? Yes. Wouldn't that just be a girlfriend? <laughs> it could be a girlfriend. I don't care. Yeah. They called it, back then I think they called it a mistress. Yeah. But he had five children with her. This is kind of an important detail later. Not bad? It's pretty high. Stress level high. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll get better. Okay. So his All mistress right, so, slash not girlfriend. So he's had this mistress a while. Got now it. it's like, he's had this mistress like 11 years. Okay. That's a girlfriend. Okay, girlfriend. In 1871, he moved to Norfolk, Virginia. So he set up a new office for his company there, and he lived for lived there for nine years. Got malaria during that time, because malaria. And he started taking arsenic to treat the malaria. Yes, that was a common. Regularly. Yep, that was common. Continued taking it for the rest of his life. By the way, arsenic does nothing for malaria. Mm -hmm. But that's one of the things they use to... To treat malaria back then. It does a That's lot all they had. Body. Yeah. It does a lot of things. Also, he was well known to take strychnine, which is a toxic alkaloid from trees. The trees are called Strychnose Nux Vomica. Great name. And Fowler's Solution, which also has arsenic in it. Just a slightly different version of it. Potassium arsenite. These are supposed to be uh, aphrodisiacs. Who knows if that worked or not? I don't know. Probably increase your blood flow or something. Uh... In addition to all that, he was a hypochondriac and he took all kinds of other medicines. Like any patent medicine he came across, his friend recommended, he would take it. Um, <clears throat> throw in here, symptoms of strychnine poisoning are agitation, muscle spasms, difficulty breathing. And it leaves your body in about three days after you take it. These are all important for later. So during this time, the nine years he was in Norfolk, he traveled back and forth to England a lot to mm. see his... What was his business? Girlfriend. Cotton merchant. Cotton. Okay. Cotton. Made good money, apparently. Yeah. Uh, so so he had clearly had long-term exposure to arsenic, and the symptoms of that, if you have a decent amount, are 
you get um, pigmentation changes. So you get lesions on your hand, palms and the soles of your feet that are dark. And eventually you get skin cancer from it. But as far as we know, he didn't have those symptoms. So he wasn't taking a huge amount. The stuff that they would put in those solutions wasn't a lot. Did they know what cancer was in 1820? They did. Maybe not skin cancer. They, they would call it a mass or something. I don't okay. know what they would... I don't know if they would... I think... I think cancer's been known about for a long time because it's from like a Latin word from the ancient Romans. Okay. But don't quote me on that. I think that's right. Uh, okay. So in 1880, so now he's 42, he was going back to the company's offices in Liverpool and he met Florence Elizabeth Chandler, who was 18 years old at the time, on the ship. So these ships took about two weeks to go across the ocean, right? So they had a little romance on the ship. Florence was born in Mobile, Alabama in 1862, so she's only 18. Uh, she was the daughter of her mother's first husband. Her mother had been married three times, most recently to the Baron von Rokes of Prussia. So her mother was pretty fancy, uh, and she was divorced from him. The first two husbands died. The most recent Baron guy, he that was a divorce. So now she's a Baroness. Uh, so the, Florence and James met on the ship, and about a year later they got married. The big romance. I think I think he saw her as like pretty, but also here's a legitimate high class woman I could marry. You know, this girlfriend's not working for me. I can't for whatever reason he couldn't marry the girlfriend. Probably she was not high status enough for him. So uh, they got married. They settled in a place called Aigworth, a suburb of Liverpool, and they had a son and then a daughter. A son in eighteen eighty two and a daughter in eighteen eighty six. After this daughter, the, they started having problems. So in 1887, Florence found out he had a mistress. So it took her a long time to figure that out. So now we can call her mistress because they're married, right? If he's still banging her, yeah. Of course he is. That's well, why he's taking all the strychnine. Yeah, you can call her whatever you want. Then. So at this point, James is about 50. Florence is only 26. In 1888, they moved into a big house called Battle Crease, also in Liverpool. And their marriage was most likely a name only at this point. They were leading separate lives, very socially active, very wealthy people. And at this time, uh, Florence met 34-year-old Alfred Brierly at a party. There was also a report she had an affair with James's brother Edwin, but I don't know about that. That was only mentioned one time. So that year is where we get started. So 1888 is kind of where we start. So either June or September of that year... So she's got a boyfriend now, right? She's she's definitely dating this guy somehow or seeing him in some way. Um, James starts seeing this doctor, Dr. Hopper. I think that's the family. He was like a new family doctor. And Florence told him or told the doctor that James was taking medicine that had a strong effect on him and asked the doctor to talk to him about it. So she was already concerned way back in uh, June or September of 1888. Mm -hmm. That year in November... Florence met Alfred Brierly for the first time. So this is, you know, this is kind of some evidence in favor of her saying she was already concerned about him before she met this guy. Mm -hmm. Four months later in March of 1889, Florence told um, James's brother Michael that she was alarmed about James taking an unknown white powder. And this is where, this is kind of where the problems begin. So, March 16th, 1889, Florence made reservations for her sister-in-law, in quotes, at a hotel in London. 
And for March 21st to 24th, Florence spent a long weekend with Alfred Briley, according to this waiter, Alfred Schweisso at the hotel, who pointed out Alfred Briley in court. So they spent four days together in a hotel. Remember, this is the 1800s, very scandalous, right? You check into a hotel, you have to pretend to be man and wife, mm -hmm. sign a fake name, all this stuff. So uh, after that, the 25th of March, she goes back to London. Okay. Um, or spends time in London. That was a baroness. Nope, Baroness is her mother. This is Florence. Okay. Her mother lives in Paris, so we can forget about her for now. So March 29th, Florence and James have a fight. So they go to the Grand National Horse Races in Liverpool. Uh, Florence at the races was sort of brazenly walking around with this guy, Alfred Briarly, at the races. And he specific James specifically told her not to. He was embarrassed because he knew something was up between them. They were flirting. So he's like, don't walk around with that guy. And she's kind of like, fuck you, I'm doing it anyway. So when they went home, he beat her up, gave her a black eye, tried to throw her out of the house. And she was mad. She wanted um, she wanted a divorce, but she got talked out of it. I guess the, the neighbor or the servant, somebody talked her out of it. Uh, there was also something about a debt. She had gambling debts, like $1,300, which is a lot of money back then. So he, I guess when they made up, though, a few days later, he said, I'll also, you know, she told him what her debts were. And he said, I'll pay them off. Don't worry. So they made up, according to everybody. About a week or two later, this is April 3rd through the 12th, somewhere in there. Uh, they also had a, this is a little confusing. They had a servant named Briarly, but she's not related to Alfred. So Bessie Briarly, the servant, found a bunch of, they call them flypapers, so they had these, you know, those like sticky things you hang from the ceiling that the flies get mm -hmm. stuck on. Well, they used to sell those, but they were, had arsenic in them. Mm -hmm. And so I guess the flies would eat the stuff and then die. I don't know. But it had, a lot of people would buy them and then soak them in water to get the arsenic out okay. and use it for like face cream because it makes, I guess it makes your cheeks rosy. What are you, you've mentioned a couple chemicals and stuff. What are you, mm -hmm. what are you, what are the implications of that? What are you, what are you trying to, uh. So these are all pieces of evidence of right. how there was arsenic in the house. Mm -hmm. And so at the end, you have to kind of figure out. So the assumption is, is that these, his death was accidental is what it, it sounds like what you're trying to build. I'm not trying to build anything. I'm just presenting all the evidence. So, so spoiler, here's, here's the spoiler. Uh, James is going to die. Okay. And he's going to die of something that looks like poisoning, but it's not clear how he got poisoned. So, all of this stuff is stuff that came out in trial. Right, but trials only exist when there's a perpetrator. You don't have accidental trials unless there's well, unless got a defense. She got accused, yeah. She yeah, so accused. she got accused sure. of using this. Right, right, right. So this is all the stuff see, that people I already see a problem with that because okay. everything you've, all of the toxic chemicals that, you, that we know today mm -hmm. that are harmful, mm -hmm. they were using this uh, commonplace. Yeah. Right, right, that's true. So, but at very low levels, not enough to kill you. Right, but even if, let's say, uh, these things were elevated, concentrated enough to mm -hmm. kill someone, the fact that they're being used commonplace tells me that they had no idea how toxic these things were. So how, why would they take something that was used in uh, everyday products and have the knowledge mm -hmm. of what you would need to kill someone? Like, if you thought you could kill someone with everyday products, you probably wouldn't be using it so nonchalantly. 
I don't think they saw it the way we see it. Like we look at arsenic nowadays and we're terrified we of it yes. because we know. I don't right. think that they necessarily knew just how, like they knew at high concentrations, but they thought at low concentrations, these were okay, that this was like medicine. Also, these things, they didn't necessarily know what was in them. Well, the you, you described know. earlier of him using a lot of strychnine and things like yeah, that yeah. as as panaceas. Right. Right. So, obviously, they weren't too concerned. So, right. it would have taken in-depth knowledge, you know, an understanding of how these chemicals could be concentrated, formulated yes. to kill someone. Hold that thought. And none of these people have that type of expertise. Right, right. But, hold that thought because that, and that's... That's an explanation that people had of why, like how this happened. I'll I'll, I'll get into it. Okay, it's just so you're, you're laying a. Yeah. I would say that you're necessarily you are giving the facts, but it mm -hmm. also in the way you're wording it, mm. it's lending itself to uh, one side over another, as a defense uh, a defensive argument rather you'll, than you'll an see. offensive you'll argument. You'll see. Um, I I go either way. I I actually am not committed to one or the other. I don't, I'm not sure she did it or not. So, anyways, so right. okay. Well, let's move on. So the servant found a bunch of these fly papers steeping in a, like tea, in a water, in a basin in the bedroom, mm -hmm. in Florence's bedroom. And she showed them to the nanny. Now, the nanny's name is Alice Yap, and she's kind of a pivotal character here. Mm -hmm. So that was on March, uh, early April sometime. So April 20th through the 21st, uh, James goes out of town goes visits his brother in Michael in London and he sees the doctor again. The doctor says, you're doing great because he always had, he was a hypochondriac. So he always complained about something. So mm -hmm. he went to see the doctor. The doctor said, uh, you know, I'm changing your prescription slightly. So we know that on April 20th, he was feeling good. On the 22nd of April, James comes back to Battle Crease house in L Liverpool, back home. Mm -hmm. Sometime from April 15th to 25th, we're not sure when, Florence buys uh, 12 of those fly papers from a pharmacist. So we have a record that she bought them from the pharmacist. Uh, not sure what we did with them. On the 24th, James gets his new prescriptions filled. So probably some arsenic in there, who knows. Mm -hmm. And then the next day on the 25th, James writes a new will. So he had had that fight with uh, Florence and he had decided, I'm gonna uh, write up a new will. According to his brothers, she didn't know what was in the will. His wife didn't, didn't know. But what it did was it left everything in trust for the children. <laughs> By the way, only his children with Florence because apparently he did not give two shits for the five kids that he had with his girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And so he had, so that everything was left in trust for his children with Florence, his two children. And the brothers were in charge of the trust. Florence would get a 2,500 pound life insurance, British pounds. Okay. And, and then permission to live with the children as long as she stayed a widow. So that was the way he set that up. Uh, suppose, according to her and according to the brothers, she had no knowledge of this. Uh, the next day, April 26, James gets another bottle of medicine in the mail. And he told the parlor maid that he had been expecting it. We don't know what was in that bottle. By the way, his, supposedly he had bottles of medicine everywhere in the house, like all over the bedroom, kitchen, mm -hmm. always taking all kinds of things. Makes sense. Uh, April 27th, which is a Saturday, this is when he starts getting sick. So he bought a new bottle. He got this new bottle in the mail. Mm -hmm. uh, he actually went to another horse race. A new on, bottle? He got the new bottle the day before. New bottle uh -huh. of what? Uh, some medicine. We don't know what. Okay. He went to something called a Whirl Races on horseback, and he had dinner at a friend's house. So he was went to the friend's house, ate dinner, and was vomiting and complaining of numbness in his legs. 
Okay, that's poison. And he told his friend uh, that he had taken an overdose of the medicine by accident that came in the mail. Mm-hmm. He also got very wet, so he may have also caught, in cold, caught a cold or the flu or something. Mm. So um, the next day, Sunday, April 28th, Florence calls for the doctor because he seems very sick. He drank some strong tea in the morning and got sick right after that. Mm-hmm. So his doctor's name in Liverpool was Dr. Humphreys, and he prescribed uh, dilute prussic acid. Uh, two guesses what prussic acid is. You're asking me. Yeah. Just, what do you think? Prussic? Prussic acid, yeah. Prussic. Mm-hmm. This is 1800s medicine. Just, I'm just, it's kind of a joke. Like, what do you think it is? I would it's not, it's not arsenic and it's not strychnine. Oh, so we're going back to the caustic. Uh, <laughs> it's it's probably like, uh, what's the stuff they use in the Mad Hatter? Uh, mercury or something stupid. Good guess. It's actually hydrogen cyanide. There you go. <laughs> Diluted. It's mm-hmm. okay, though. At low levels, exposure to cyanide can give you headache, nausea, vomiting, and red flush, but probably not numbness in your legs. So that probably didn't kill him. Um, at, the time, at this time, his other brother, went, brother Edwin stayed at the house that night because he was sick. He was trying to help him out. And James had uh, mutton and arrowroot for dinner. Arrowroot is kind of like farina. I've heard of it. Yeah, me too. For dinner, uh, because his stomach was bothering him still. So, uh, And Florence brought it to him. The cook, whose name was Mary, um, she noticed something dark in the jug that had the arrowroot in it after Florence had given it to her after dinner, the empty jug. The but one then, that everyone else was drinking out of? He, I think he was the only one that ate the arrowroot because he was sick. So he had mutton and arrowroot, and I, it sounded like no one else ate the arrowroot except him. She said something in the jug. Well, they put it in the jug. That's how they served it's it. It's a liquid. Arrowroot is like um, very like, like baby food okay. consistency. Yeah, it's just gooey white stuff. You'd hate it. Okay. And um, so the cook noticed there was something dark in the jug, and she said, I didn't put anything dark in it, but... Uh, then the other cook told her that might have been vanilla. Somebody put vanilla in it. Okay, whatever. It's, it's too complicated. But it's, but it's you know, it's a little suspicious. This is like just another suspicious thing. Mm, it's too complicated. It's You're a, right. A very, a very... Uh, there's a lot of details. Risky delivery system. You're right. That's true. Um, and by the way, uh, arsenic has no flavor. Just yes, that's it. true. Yeah. April 29th, so this would be Monday... Dr. Humphreys comes in the morning to see how he's doing. Uh, all of James's symptoms had disappeared. Florence goes to the store and buys another 24 flypapers. And then she buys some something called tincture of benzoin and elderflowers. So you could put these three together and make it into some kind of cosmetic cream that they used to use at the time, a little recipe they had. You soak the flypapers and then it makes this like brown liquid and mm-hmm. you mix it in with the other two and then mm-hmm. you put it on your cheeks yeah. and I guess it gives you rosy cheeks because okay. that's what that's what arsenic does. It makes your cheeks rosy. Some people actually eat it in the old days. They used to eat the arsenic to mm-hmm. make their cheeks rosy. That was yeah. a fad. You've heard of this? Yeah, these are all defensive yeah. arguments. They, they, sure, they don't sure. support the idea that anyone murdered anyone. So, so then Dr. Humphreys uh, gave him a prescription of papain, which is a digestive aid, and iridin, which is a diuretic. Mm-hmm. Also a poison, but only at high doses. All right, so now we're up to, let's see, that was a Monday. This is Tuesday, April 30th. Uh, he's feeling much better. James is feeling much better. And Florence brought James bread and milk that was unsweetened. When it came back to the cook, 
uh, I don't think he ate very much of it, but it came back to the cook. She tasted it, and it tasted sweet. And the cook was kind of like, well, I didn't put any sugar in that, so I don't know why it's sweet. But whatever. I don't know if that matters or not. That night, uh, Florence went to a fancy dress ball with Edwin Maybrick, which was James's brother again, the one she was either had an affair with or was flirting with. Mm -hmm. And she said the reason she made the cosmetics was for that ball. Okay. So she admits to having this relationship uh i'm not sure like in this case it sounded like james wasn't didn't want to go to the ball and she just went with the brother because he was there okay i don't know i think james just didn't want to go it wasn't clear no i got that part but i assume this was all revealed at court i'm not sure about the brother thing like it sounded like she either flirted with him or had an affair i don't know mm -hmm. if that was ever because the thing is with this story if you go back and look there's a million articles written about it and it was sensationalized so there was a mm. lot of stories oh, i didn't even read the stories because some of them were just made up and right. i didn't want you know i was trying to go with the facts mm -hmm. but yeah you can read some really interesting stuff that either go against her or for her okay so may 1st uh let's see this would be a wednesday james went into the office finally so he's feeling good and his cook made something called revolenta which is also called dewberries it's lentil soup, basically. It's goop, lentil goop for sick people. She put it in a brown jug, and Florence uh, sent the cook out to get something to wrap up the jug, like paper. Mm -hmm. But the cook went out, got the paper, came back, and then Florence was already wrapping it up with the string and everything. So she sent her out, but then she wrapped it up herself. So she had time in that to put something in there. We don't know if she put anything mm -hmm. or not. She gave it to Edwin to bring to the office, because uh, I guess Edwin worked with his brother. I don't know. James ate some of it, and then later at the office, three people saw him complain of feeling sick, and he said he didn't. They put cooking sherry in the James. soup. James, yeah, okay. he's the only one who gets sick. So they put cooking sherry in the soup, and he said he didn't like it, and it made him sick. So he also took some kind of powder while he was at work. Okay. Came home, ate fine, seems fine. Uh, the next day is Thursday, same thing. They made him lunch, that same stuff, uh, Revolenta, took it to lunch, took it to him for lunch at the, at the office. The next day, Friday, uh, he went to the doctor just to get a checkup or whatever. And then he had this Turkish bath, which I don't know if you know what that is, but mm -hmm. it's like a steam bath basically at a special place where you get a massage and all yeah. that. Right. So, uh, this is the day they estimate that he got the fatal dose based on timeline. But so this is May 3rd. He didn't die. He will die eight days later. James will die. Yes. It's so James days. died. I, wasn't, I thought eight it was her days. husband that died. James is her husband. Well, James was the brother. Sorry, there's two brothers. So there's James, <laughs> Michael, and Edwin. James is the husband. <laughs> Lawrence. Lawrence is the wife. Sorry. Well, you mentioned James, and that she. There's a lot of people. Somebody I apologize. didn't want to go. I thought the husband didn't want to go, so James filled in. Right, right. Well, James would have been the the guy that she would have went with, so there would be no. Right. Okay, I don't know why you didn't answer it like that. I'm but sorry. Anyway, go ahead. Right. This will be all very helpful for our one listener because they'll understand it better. Because <laughs> they probably know more than I do. <laughs> okay, so. So anyway, he ate the rest of that Dewberry's food with the sherry at work, even though he hated it, I guess. Okay. Maybe he thought it made make him feel better. Just and to then, make sure that I'm with mm, the same person. The, mm. the female, the one that's allegedly you're alluding, is the one poisoning him, mm. possibly. Mm. 
She's the one that was concerned about his health earlier? Yes, in the beginning, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He also gave her a black eye, so. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Go ahead. Uh, so, let's see. So, okay, so he had the rest of that DuBerry's food at work, the one that um, that Florence had wrapped up for him, I think. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's not clear. It's not clear what happened there. Because I think the first day, the one that she wrapped up the first day, uh, she sent it to the office and he didn't eat very much of it. And so the next day, like, he ate more of it. I don't know. And um, at so he went to that Turkish bath. And then at midnight, Florence sent for Dr. Humphreys because he had a pain in the hips, from his hips to his knees and numbness. So the doctor thought, well, maybe you had a really hard massage at the Turkish bath and you pinched a nerve or something. And supposedly this had happened to him before. And so he gave him a morphine suppository. <laughs> morphine up his butt. And so there, there is a symptom of arsenic. So acute arsenic poisoning symptoms. This is the list. Vomiting, abdominal pain, diarrhea, and numbness and tingling of the extremities. Yes, I've heard so of this. Falls in there. Mm-hmm. Okay. It sounds like what he had, given that there. It, it does. Yeah, Although, it seems to line up. But the, the problem is... It comes that, and goes, though, right? Well, he could just be more sensitive to it because they were using it uh, consistently. It's not uh, like if she's right. buying... He should be less sensitive to it, I would think, because he's yes, using you do it all build, the time. Well, yeah, you get a tolerance. You could have other complications. You do so. get a tolerance to arsenic. As you get older, you know, your tolerance... That's also true. Yeah, but, at this point, he's like, what, 50? Yeah. Yeah. Back then, that was like 100. Yeah, it was 100. So, uh, <clears throat> so May 4th, this is now Saturday. Mm-hmm. He's Again, he's sick and vomiting. Right. Dr. Humphrey said it was from the morphine. Now, this is a side effect of morphine. Told him, you cannot drink or eat anything today. So he can't even have... They said you could suck on a wet rag or something. It's disgusting. So James tells Florence, at this point, that he's on to her about her affair uh, with that guy, Alfred, right? Right. And Alfred, at the time, also, it it is suggested... Um, was sort of cooling on Florence, kind of done with her. You know, he had her week, his weekend with her, and, mm-hmm. you know, he might be done with her. And so she's a little worried about that. So she sends a telegram to Alfred telling him that her husband had advertised in the newspapers for information about them, which I love. Like, <laughs> her husband told her that I've put an ad in the paper telling people to call me if they've seen you out and about with this guy, Alfred. That's smart. I know. I, did, I think this was normal back then. They used to just, just advertise in the paper. Uh, and then he gave, the doctor gave him, um, something called Ipecacuana, which is anti-nausea. Have you seen that? Ipecac I've heard of. Yeah, this Ipecac. is the opposite of Ipecac. It helps you with your nausea. Oh, the other one. Yeah, yeah. That's new. So on Sunday, May 5th, he's feeling better. James is feeling better. But then his brother, for some reason, gives him brandy, even though he's not supposed to be eating or drinking, and he mm-hmm. throws up. Okay. Brandy and soda. Uh, Florence is, gets all strict on the no eating or drinking rule. He's asking for lemonade with sugar and somebody brings it to him and she takes it away. She's like, no, you can't have anything to drink. But they gave him another prescription for prussic acid. Right. <laughs> so well, more cyanide. That's more evidence that she wasn't the one that... <laughs> more cyanide. She would be trying to... Trying to give him... Right. Because she wants to question. get the job yeah, yeah. done. She doesn't want it done You would halfway. think, right? Uh, so... Monday, May 6th, he's complaining his tongue feels bad, and he's drinking something called Valentine's meat juice, which I guess is like broth that you could buy in a bottle. And this makes him throw up. Now, the doctor says this stuff is gross, and it makes a lot of people sick. And so he prescribes, uh, stop drinking the meat juice, stop drinking the cyanide, the prussic acid, and start on Fowler's solution, which is the arsenic. 
and also uh, meat tea, chicken broth, something called infant food, milk and water. So that's what he's allowed to have now. Uh, oh, and Dr. Humphreys mentioned at the trial that um, the amount of arsenic that was in that Fowler's medicine would not have, like arsenic leaves your body after four or five days. So, um, and cyanide, I looked it up, uh, cyanide's out of your body in a day or two. So it's low levels of this stuff. How you, would they know Your body that? excretes it. They could test for it? They could, yes. We'll get into that. Oh, yeah, because yeah. that would be a simple autopsy. If you could just see what he was, uh, what the, yeah, the tests safe weren't bad. levels. They weren't bad. This, the, that's the fun thing about this poisoning stuff is that before, I don't remember what year it was, before they invented tests for this stuff, people would just kill people and there was no way to prove it. No, oh, I got that. Yeah. But given that the, they could they could test for it, they could establish mm. what a safe levels are and easily determine yeah. uh, cause of death. Kind of. At least yeah. by... Kind of. They Whatever still didn't the blood know everything. toxicity level was, or the the average amount. I'm not sure how much they really knew what the toxicity level was. Well, they would, it yes, was all just doctors you just, kind of giving their opinion. You just stated that it took four days for arsenic to, to leave, leave your body. Yeah, the yeah. only way you would know that is if you could if test. You did a test. That's correct. That's correct. Well, That's a good point. There you go. Good point. They could test for it. Okay, so on May seventh, Tuesday, uh, Doctor Humphreys comes in and says James is mostly okay. He's just complaining of this tickling in his throat. Uh, Florence brought, brought in a second opinion, Dr. Carter, in the evening. Dr. Carter said he thought the illness was from an irritant poison. And they first noticed he was getting diarrhea, which is another symptom of arsenic poisoning. Alice Yap, the, nut, the nanny, excuse me, the nanny saw Florence pouring medicine from one bottle to another, but didn't think anything of it. Uh, now you have some new prescriptions, Jabirondi tincture, which stimulates uh, the digestive system. And then antipyrene, which is a pain reliever. All right, May 8th, Florence calls for a nurse to help because she's been up all night for days and needs somebody to help her out. And telegraphed her mother that James was sick again. The neighbor, Mrs. Briggs, came over, saw James's condition and telegrammed to James's brother, Michael, who was in London, come at once, in quotes, come at once, strange things going on here. Uh, she also went into Liverpool to speak to Edwin, the other brother. And Nurse Gore, this, this is the nurse that came over that got called. She's there helping out with James. And she said James was unable to get out of bed without help. That's how sick he was. Florence, in the meantime, gives a letter to the nanny to mail. Which, I don't know why she did this. And the letter was to her, uh, her boyfriend, Alfred. Mm-hmm. So she gives it to him, and Alice, Alice opens the opens the letter on the way to the post office. But she comes up with this whole story that she gave it to the baby to the little kid to carry, and the kid dropped it in the mud. And she said, "Oh, it was so dirty. I was gonna put it in a new envelope." So she, oops, I opened it, and she said something about. So the letter said first it was addressed to my darling, and then she read some more, and it said, uh, "Her husband is my husband is sick until death." Unto death, excuse me. And it only remains to see how long his strength will hold out. So this sounds like she's trying to get him to not, you know, not go away. Because he had booked a trip. I guess he found, she found out he had booked a cruise to go somewhere already mm -hmm. to the Mediterranean. And so she was also begging him not to go on that trip. Makes sense. Right. I mean, it, it, he's it, trying it, to ditch her. And she's like, please don't go. My husband's almost dead. Yes. It's a little a little suspicious, right? Well, no, it's it makes sense because what she's he's leaving her and mm -hmm. she's trying to convey to him that uh 
that uh, there's a potential relationship. Correct. If he just waits long enough. If he just wait long enough. Right. right. But it does, it's not looking good for her. That's that's not a good look for her, that letter. No. And it's really dumb of her to give it if to the nanny. If you read into it, yes. I, you I think could I already, easily read into that, right? I, can, I yeah. already see what the cause of death, at least what I think it is. I've got enough information. So Alice gave it to his brother Edwin, James's mm. brother Edwin, at 5 o'clock when he got there. Yeah. And the letter was kept secret. So Edwin, you know, they, nobody, these are rich people. They don't want any press. So they just, yeah. stuff like that, they just put it away. So Edwin orders the nurse not to let Florence nurse James anymore because he's now suspecting that Florence is up to something. And uh, the nurse had just given James a dose of medicine that Florence had prepared. So she gave him half of it, and then they threw the rest out. So this is uh, three days before he died, by the way. So from here on out, the family, the nurse, and the neighbors were very suspicious of, of Florence and never left, him, left her alone with James. Mm -hmm. May 9th, on Thursday, um, Dr. Humphreys does an analysis of the feces and the, and the urine. He did something called a Reinsch test, which is um, sort of a rough, and, a rough test to see if there's any metal in a substance. Mm -hmm. So what you do is you boil, this, let's say, the pee and the poop. You boil it up with some acid with a, a piece of copper wire. And I don't know how long you boil it, but... You take the copper out, and if it's dull, that means a metal got deposited on the copper. So that's it. So he does that and doesn't find any metal in his poop or his urine. Good, because there's none used. Right. We don't know yet. Well, uh, the, the nurse. It's conclusive. So then the nurse uh, gives James two teaspoons of Valentine's meat juice that Edwin gave it to her, and even even though the doctor had told him to Wait, stop taking it. The test was for what? Some metal, any metal. Why? Because that would be a way to see if there was some metallic poison. So they would suspect... So while he was alive, they assumed there was a poison causing... They were this. suspecting that Florence was up to something. Yeah, because she was I acting see. weird. And then And the letter from the boy, to the boyfriend was like the clicker. Like once... First they, they thought when he was sick, because he was kind of like getting sick, getting better, getting sick, getting better. And they kept seeing her give him stuff. No, yeah. All they were just there. a little suspicious. And then... It just gives me the mindset, yeah. a mind state that they were in. Yeah. Uh, and everyone could tell that he was dying. That's important because... Yes, there's, it was pretty obvious, yeah. Well, there's another reason why I think that's important. It's She would have to have a level of knowledge. That, well, actually, this answers that anyone could have seen that he was mm -hmm. dying. So it mm -hmm. wasn't like she had this uh, working knowledge of why he was dying or when he was dying. Every, right. It was visible to everyone that he was dying. Yes. Okay, so that's really important because otherwise it makes the assumption that she has such an... Uh, in-depth knowledge of arsenic that she could knew the dosage mm. how long mm. and that nothing else was needed because she didn't allow any food get to get to him mm. and that level of i mean that would take a mastercraft of, That's of true. knowledge that is true. to know the dosage and the length of time it would take to kill someone and then write a letter saying he should be dead pretty any quickly now. Yeah, yeah yeah nobody Right. Nobody, nobody no, right. dealt with arsenic that's on that point. level. Yeah, that's a good point. That's Even the doctors wouldn't have known. Nobody would have known. Nobody deals with arsenic. So this is kind of, in, this doesn't really matter because they gave him more of that meat tea, and but they said that they, the bottle they gave him was unopened, so mm -hmm. should be fine. Okay. After midnight, for some odd reason, the, uh, the nurse gave him champagne. I don't know why. It's so weird. And then Florence took the meat juice bottle into a dressing room for a few minutes, came back out, and put the bottle back on the table. Uh, meanwhile, she asked the nurse to go out of the room and get some ice for his head. And the nurse was like, no, I'm not leaving you alone with him. And I don't know what this, what you did in the dressing room. So she just takes the meat juice bottle and puts it away. 
doesn't give it to him. Should have kept it. Uh, I don't know what, what happened to that they bottle. They could have tested it. They, I think they did later. I think they did later, actually. They found so it's coming. Oh, well. So after 6 o'clock, James says to Florence, Oh, Bunny, how could you do it? I did not think it of you. And Florence res replied, You silly old darling. Don't trouble your head about things. Mm, that's suspicious. I know, right? Later on Friday, uh, Michael, the brother, gives Dr. Carter two samples. One of the Valentine's meat juice that she had gone into the dressing room with. And then a small bottle of that infant food that they were giving him for analysis. Mm -hmm. Dr. Humphreys does the analysis. Uh, didn't find anything in the infant food, but he does found, find about 0.32 milligrams of some metal in the meat juice. We don't know yet what it is, but it's he does that test again where you can just tell if it's a metal or not. Okay. So meat juice shouldn't really have any metal in it, right? Maybe some iron? I don't know. Uh, Hard to say. Depends on what the meat was. And he gives him some more uh, prescriptions. So he gives him a sedative. He gives him cocaine. And phosphoric acid. Okay. For his upset stomach. Mm -hmm. So uh, sometime that evening, Edwin and Michael try to get James to sign a new will because the one he had rewritten after the quarrel had been lost. And he didn't want to be bothered. He said, leave me alone. I'm not rewriting my will. I'm not writing a new will right now. I'm too sick. Uh, that The next day uh, is the day when James died. May 11th, 1889, in the evening. And after his death, just, just a side note, uh, after his death, Dr. Carter does a marsh, something called a Marsh's test on the meat juice, which is a more definitive test for arsenic. Mm -hmm. And he finds uh, about 0.32 milligrams of white oxide of arsenic in the meat juice. Mm -hmm. A few hours after his death, so this is the evening of May 11th, while getting clothing for the children in a closet, uh, and by the way, the brothers had told the nanny to look around in the house and see if they could find anything. And she's in the closet and she finds in a chocolate box a packet labeled arsenic poison for cats, which is upsetting to me because you should never poison cats, uh, as well as a bottle with liquid and then a black powder, or liquid and black powder in it, like Wait kind of on the bottom. You said it was worded arsenic poison. Poison for cats, yes. So it was a little packet that you might get well, from that, the drugstore. That, con that contradicts or, or the idea that they were oblivious to the uh, poisonous uh, nature oh, no, they, of arsenic. Well, no, but yeah, they knew. They just assumed that in low doses it wouldn't kill you. Of course, people knew arsenic was was deadly. It was easy enough to kill you with it. it was well, used so in all far, of... you so far you have he's he's taken all kinds of toxic things like yes. you would, like you would also assume strychnine was poisonous. Yes, it is. Yeah, he he in ingested large quantities. It. Yeah, they. I mean, people in Victorian era they were just playing with fire. They they thought I can control this. You know, I don't know. I'm not sure. I can't go back and figure out how they were thinking, but it does seem nuts. That's that's why this is such an interesting story. Uh, it's just odd that that they understood that in large quantities it was dangerous. Right. But if it was in small quantities, it was okay. Or even healthy. And healthy. Right. It had benefits. Right. That's how people thought. Yeah. Also, because they didn't have antibiotics then, they would think like this is just a tonic. Like I'm poisoning myself in small amounts to get rid of the bad things. There's a disconnect. What I, the the problem is is there's a disconnect between those two ideas. Mm. But there's an if there's an assumption that it's it's useful or safe in a small quantity, mm. how did they understand the cause of death was that thing? There, you would have to have an understanding of the of how it affects the body for you to make that leap to say. Mm. Because you 
consume all kinds of chemicals all day long. You know, even today we, we right. but we don't make connections unless there's a study that says, here's how it kills you. Right. Like, you know, trans fats or, you know, you would never make that assumption that certain types of fats kill you just by eating it. You would just notice people were dying for mysterious reasons. Hmm. So how did they go from arsenic being okay in small quantities mm -hmm. to yes definitively know this was arsenic that killed him without understanding how it kills someone that there there's a disconnect there in my mind of how how would you have that knowledge unless you're around the substance and you knew that was something like mercury they, they eventually made a correlation between mm. uh, large doses of mercury and now this is poison but immediately after the fact that they discovered that they stopped using mercury in hats and, and other, you know, as a well, commercial Well, it took a while, but yeah, eventually they figured, well, they figured it out. It, yeah, because the, the process of determining whether something is lethal requires right. a, a, a lot of study and a, and a working understanding how the, how the, the, the agent works in the body. Right. They, I don't see how they would know that. Well, they did. They did. I don't know how much they knew, but they obviously knew it was a poison because they used it as a poison. Um, for for rats, a lot of times it was used as rat poison. Um, for like I said, flies. So they use it as a poison, but they just thought if I only have a little, it would actually be good for me. It, this was a way of thinking. People still think like this. There are people who still take that Nux vomica, thinking it's doing them good or increasing their circulation. I would argue those people that do that do not understand how it's bad for you. Yes, that is true. That's, they do not understand. Right, right. Yes, that so, is true. And the reason why that's important in this context is that unless she understood that, mm -hmm. she would not understand how to use arsenic and, and the quantities. And Well, that's the point. So she may not have understood real well, but she might have been experimenting. So she may have started with the flypapers and then moved on to the cat poison because figured out, okay, well, this is more poison. You know, this is more concentrated. Let me try this. I don't... That's the theory. Unless they were reading that, you know, like cats, how to kill cats, you, use, you have to use arsenic or... Or how much you have to use for a cat, yeah. I just don't know how you don't make that connection with your body. So, okay. So anyway, there was a packet in there. And what they would do at the time was they would mix... So for poison, the pharmacist would put charcoal in, charcoal powder in with the white powder mm -hmm. so that you wouldn't accidentally use it as something else, right? Because there's lots of things that are white powders, salt, whatever... You don't want to accidentally throw arsenic in your food instead of salt. Mm -hmm. So they would mix it, the poisons, with uh, the black powder. So they found this black stuff, and it was labeled on the side. And they found a bottle with uh, a little bit of liquid and black powder in it, and then a uh, sediment in another bottle, mm -hmm. and there was a glass. They tested all these things, and they got large quantities of arsenic in all of them. There were also two handkerchiefs found that had arsenic on them. So it's implied that the ar arsenic was, the black arsenic was filtered through the handkerchief to get rid of the black so that you wouldn't notice it as much. There was also a half bottle, half full bottle of meat juice that had no arsenic in it, in that, in that closet. The police took everything. They took the jug. They also went to his office and got that jug that had the, uh, that he had sent, she had sent him for lunch. They found arsenic in the jug, jug also. Mm -hmm. And they did a test with the empty one because sometimes arsenic would be in the soil, so it would be in the jug if it was earthenware. So you, they, I read the analytical chemist report, and he actually, first he tested what was in it, you know, swished the water around, tested it, 
and then he swished some more water in the jug itself to make sure he wasn't just getting arsenic from the jug itself. No arsenic in the jug. So he did find, I'm sorry, no arsenic came from the jug, the jug itself. Okay, the but there was some in there. Yeah, there was some in there that was in that food that they, they had in there. And also in the little, they had a little uh, bowl or something that they cooked it in. So it was there everywhere. was arsenic, it was everywhere. May 14th or 15th, so this is three days after he died, the coroner reported that enough poison was found in James' stomach that further investigation was justified. This wasn't really true because basically they just asked the doctors and the doctors said, we think he died from some irritant poison. They were hedging their bets because what they meant was if he could have had food poisoning, he could have been poisoned, we don't know. But the, the judge interpreted this to mean that he had been poisoned. So he basically said like, yeah, they found it in his stomach. And because they had done a, some sort of autopsy and they could see it was all inflamed, mm -hmm. but they hadn't really done any tests to see if there was a specific poison or not. So right from the, right from the beginning here, they're already kind of uh, pushing for, towards that theory that she poisoned him, right? They're, it's pushing in that direction. Whether or not that's warranted, it's hard to tell. So, okay. So it was probably just observational. They also found uh, eight milligrams of arsenic in his liver, but none in his stomach. So in the final autopsy they did, uh, they uh, only met a little bit in his arsenic, uh, sorry, a little bit of arsenic mm. in his liver, none in his stomach. Right, because your liver doesn't process It's It's arsenic. excreted. It's, well, it, but does it? it? It goes out of the liver last. So your kidneys excrete most of it, four or five days, right? Okay. But there would still be some in the liver. Here's the funny part. Nowadays, what you would do is you would test the hair or the fingernails yes, it, it grows because it stays there all forever. Forever, like you, right. Yeah, so they didn't have that I didn't know the liver metabolized then. arsenic then. Yes, yes. Liver metabolizes whatever it can. Okay. Well, so, there's some things it can't. And then on May 14th, Florence told uh, Mrs. Briggs, the neighbor, that she had put a powder into the meat juice at the request of her husband but didn't know what it was. Wait, his body would still be around. They buried him. They, they were autopsying him at this time. Right, but they could yeah. do it today. Oh, yeah, he's buried. Yeah. So no oh, one, there's a little bit more here with that. No one interred yeah. him? Or not interred him, Nobody has, him? No, that's hard to do, I think. But yeah, yeah you could. Yeah, yeah, nowadays you could absolutely do that. I don't think anybody cares enough is the problem. So she wrote another letter to her boyfriend, Briarly, asking for money. Because at this point she was isolated. Uh, no one was letting her out of the room. And... I guess the nurse kind of sarcastic or the neighbor sarcastically suggested because she was like, you got to give me some letters, letter money. I got to write letters to my mother. Mm -hmm. And then the neighbor was like, well, why don't you write your boyfriend asking for money? And she was like, OK. <laughs> but then she wrote the letter and gave it to the neighbor who gave it immediately to the police. So the boyfriend never got it. And then once she found out that they had given her letter to the police, she just sort of passed out for about four days, mm -hmm. became unresponsive, went into a coma. Which, if she's faking, she really pulled it off because she was out for like four days. Well, she's about to be convicted of murder, I think. No doubt. May 16th, Michael Maybrick, the brother, sends for Florence's mother. She's in Paris. That's the Baroness, right? And they, they, they hung people back then. They did. May 18th, Florence was taken to jail. So she came out of her coma and they were like, her mother came. And they were like, okay, you're going to jail now. You know, you're awake. Uh, so they had done the analysis on his body and buried him somewhere around the 15th or the 16th. Mm -hmm. And then May 28th, they dug him back up. There's only been a couple of weeks, not even. And they dug him back up, tested him again for arsenic. 
this time they found minute quantities somewhere. I don't, they had taken all the organs out, so I think they tested some other part of the body. Right. Found a little bit. 0.1 grain, which is like... Not enough oh, to kill them. Tiny amount. Yeah, very... Mm -hmm. And the funny thing is that arsenic is in the soil. So if you bury somebody and they get... Like, you could get it from your coffin, from right. the soil around mm -hmm. you. Right. Yeah. Okay, so they start... This is Britain, so they have an inquest, right? Which I think is kind of like our grand jury. And Florence is not well enough to attend. So they just start on that. Uh... See. And then, just side note, because there are other poisons involved. They did have a method for strychnine po testing at the time, but I didn't find any mention of them testing him for that. Okay. They had his test for cyanide. I didn't. I don't think they tested for that either. Obviously, because they found so much arsenic in the house. That's what they focused on. And July 31st, so this is two months later, they start the trial. And the justice, his name is Justice Stevens, he gives a statement in court that focuses on Florence's alleged adultery as a motive for murder. Yeah, that would be a motive. Yeah. Uh, James's adultery was mentioned in passing by the defense, but not dwelt on. Mm -hmm. Judge focused on Florence's in a closing statement also. So, um, so I'm not going to get into the trial, but at the end, the jury only deliberated for 38 minutes before convicting her and sentencing her to death. There was this huge outcry after that because, um, remember, feminism was really a big thing at the time, 1880s. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people were just saying, like, you know. The adultery was the big issue. Right, that, that you're just blaming her because of her affair. So they sort of caved to that. They commuted, to life, commuted her sentence to life in prison. And uh, they also accused the judge of being mentally ill. I'm not sure what. Like, I guess he, he because of that statement, like, he got very angry about the whole affair and he was just accusing her of all kinds of horrible yeah. evil things well that's the british courts back then they were right. very judgmental right and it's interesting that the conviction said uh intentional poisoning with some irritant poison so they didn't actually mention arsenic as mm -hmm. the cause of death mm -hmm. so she goes to prison and in britain at the time a life sentence was as long as you behaved your life sentence was 15 years so she's mm -hmm. what 26 so that's you know it's not she's still young when she get out she goes to prison because she's an American originally, even though she'd given up her citizenship, three different presidents, she was so famous that three presidents tried to have her released. Queen Victoria was like, absolutely not. She's not going to release them. She wouldn't allow them to uh, release her because I guess she had the power to just release prisoners if she wanted to. They also felt the evidence was weak, probably. Probably. I don't or, know. Or the, or the public, at least. Well, the... I don't think the public was privy to all these details. I think they just read articles. And I the see. articles... The articles were preferential A lot of time, to her. very preferential to her. So, yeah. Okay. So, 1904, she gets out of prison. She moves back to America. Uh, she gave up her American citizenship, but they, she just went back and just overstayed her visa, whatever, whatever at the time. I don't think it was a big deal. And she moved to... Uh, at first, she, she was living with her mother, I think. And mm -hmm. um, then she moved to America living with friends, wrote a book. I read the book. Very interesting. Um, it recaps a lot of the same stuff in the trial. And she was lecturing for a few years about her experiences in prison because mm -hmm. uh, it's really interesting. The first thing they did was they stuck them into nine months of solitary confinement. Mm -hmm. And I think it was dark. Like, you didn't even get light. So you're in solitary confinement, like, 22 hours of the day for the first nine months. And then they put you on probation for some period. And then they would finally put you, you know, give you a job and hard labor. So she was 
washing dishes or something. And um, I assume she professed her innocence the whole time. Oh, the whole time. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So, yes. Uh, And if you read the (laughs) if you read her book, it's it's interesting read because it's kind of all about her. Like her story is very like. Everybody's against me. Mm -hmm. They won't even let me see the children. Uh, How dare they accuse me? Blah, blah, blah. Like she never says, like, I feel bad about my husband or. Well, I feel uh, bad that my children don't have a mother. She never, never comes up. So yeah. anyway, so that's a lot of that stuff. And I have something here. Hang on. Yeah, that was it. Um, she, her fame kind of settled off, you know, was gone after a while. And she moved to Connecticut and lived in a house with a bunch of cats. They said inbred cats, but I think that's just being mean. And she lived till 1941. So she lived another 30 years. She lived to age 79. Her children never saw her again. Supposedly they were raised by the family doctor. I'm not sure if that was Dr. Humphreys or somebody else, but that seemed odd to me because they had all the brothers, his brothers, and none of them wanted to raise the kids. I don't know why the doctor had to raise them. Uh, in the book, she doesn't she maintains her innocence, but doesn't try to explain all the... She never talks about the arsenic, like where all that arsenic in the house came from. Well, they had fly traps. I mean... Right, right, right. But she never... Like, but the the container of arsenic for cats and the bottle and the other bottle and the right. glass and the filter... Never talks about that. Like, just... I'm not going to talk about that. Um, mm-hmm. And she repeatedly calls James an arsenic eater and just talks about herself for the most part. Well, the, the cats, the arsenic for cats, uh, and she calls it poisoning, mm-hmm. uh, basically puts a big hole in my idea that she was oblivious to it. Right. The, the fact that she has an understanding that arsenic can kill something, which seems mm-hmm. pretty obvious today, right. but given that they were using it commercially, uh, I think it does support the idea that she understood that if I give it to him long enough that it would have a uh, right a deleterious effect on him. Right. So the theory uh, the theory is that if, if you're against her, the theory is that she started out trying to poison him with those fly papers. Like she soaked them, took the juice, mm-hmm. and it's sort of this brown juice and it doesn't taste good because it's a poison. They you know they put stuff in there to make it taste bad. And then she was adding that to his tea. Remember he had that strong tea that one day and mm-hmm. threw up. Mm-hmm. And she was sort of like trying it out, but then it wasn't strong enough. So she, he got better, and then he got worse, he got better, he got worse. And then the idea is that she went out and bought that other poison and gave him a much bigger dose. You know, she's basically learning from experience, mm-hmm. gave him a big dose, and that finished him off. And also, but at that point, they were on to her. So, and, and also, at that time, if my, if my memory serves me, mm-hmm. that... Um, Especially around the turn of the century, there were it was becoming more and more common, uh, at least in the cases that I've I've watched, mm-hmm. where women understood the concept of slowly poisoning your spouse. You know, either yes. for either for insurance, either absolutely. For the, uh, there are many cases. So yes. she was right in that area where maybe they had started to understand this right. concept. So that doesn't help her case. Nope. Doesn't make her look good. Doesn't make her look good. So I would say, uh, I'm, like you said in the beginning, you didn't say it in the podcast, but mm-hmm. when we were talking, that it was inconclusive. Uh, yeah, there is neither 
uh, evidence for enough evidence for or right. against your position. And what I thought initially, based on all the evidence you had given me, because mm-hmm. I made the assumption that she didn't understand, like many people, because they were using it yeah. uh, commercially, uh, you know, him giving using strychnine and, and all right, that. Right. Uh, I thought it, the cause of death was him being rich, mm-hmm. which afforded him a doctor, uh-huh. and a combination of him being a hypochondriac. And a doctor that was willing to prescribe him just about anything under the sun. Right. And given a lifetime of that. Uh, All those combinations of things. That yeah. eventually these. Warm down. These things, which they would not have tested for because they would not have Correct. considered them to be. And an they issue. didn't have the means to test they, for most Especially, of them. they didn't have means and, and they would have just assumed the doctor was giving him something that was necessary. Good. Right. Right. So. Right. They trusted the doctors. Eventually, all of these things would have had a cumulative effect on his health. Right. And so it was just. Uh, something that was inevitable. Now, the problem with that theory is that these all occurred, and I think this is the most damning part of it, is that these all occurred when the relationship that she was vested in, mm. that she saw a future in, a way right. out, suddenly suddenly was deteriorating, right. and now Very she, circumstantial. she needed yeah. a the current situation to go away. Go away. Mm-hmm. And yes, that that's, is, that's actually, those letters are what, turned my head like that's when I saw like when she said he's almost dead don't leave I thought yeah that that's really bad well that's, that's something you don't write well, if I, you're like maybe if you're like I'm completely innocent you don't go like hey guess what my husband's no, almost dead no she hated her husband we can give her that that True. doesn't make her guilty you're right that could go either way no and, and the fact that she knew that he was dying well everyone knew because you said that they were testing for because they could tell there was something going something on with was her. Going on. Yeah. So that wasn't natural. Right. So it, 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 if, if she was, if I had the feeling that she didn't understand arsenic, mm-hmm. or let's say arsenic was not the, mm-hmm. uh, the intended weapon, right. uh, that she still could have been oblivious to all that and still seen that he was dying and still not, and, and everything else to be true, yeah. that she wanted mm-hmm. the relationship. Nothing is abnormal about that. The, the thing that is abnormal is that uh, she understood arsenic. She knew it killed. Mm. And she was killing cats with it, and uh, or intended to, yeah, or what, yeah, something. Yeah. She she knew somehow that that was a poison. And and the, and and given the mo- the motivation to make him go away, right, those right. two things together, yeah, because don't help her. Yeah, but it's you, not conclusive. I, I don't. I would say I do not know. The situation could all be coincidental, and it really right. boils down to what was her understanding of arsenic and its. Right. Uh, effect on, on yeah health. I think it's I think the way she tried to portray herself in the trial was that I'm just this young stupid girl who married mm-hmm. and I'm rich and I don't know what this is all about and so I don't believe that but I think that's kind of what she was also trying to convey I think that that it wasn't in, yeah. in the information you gave me it wasn't it might have been in court mm-hmm. but that would be the the linchpin was her relationship or understanding of arsenic. Yeah. And that's true. And, uh, given yeah, and that she acted was, like, Oh, he gave me this white powder. I don't know what it was. Given that he's, yeah. he's, he's a hypochondriac. He is in, mm. being introduced to all different kinds of mm. what we know today to be completely toxic and, uh, and, uh, life threatening. Uh, but that drugs. could just be a cover too. It was a perfect cover for her. You know, you could, you poison your husband and you could just be like, but he takes all these medicines. Right, but that's what I'm saying. You need to establish that she understood that. Right. That type of uh, that that 
type of planning and, mo- and understanding. Right. And I have a quote from the mother, but actually. I, I know how bad arsenic, and I wouldn't know. Right. I have no idea how much to give someone right. to make it look natural. I mean, that, that takes a lot. That's I mean, true. We, there's an assumption yeah. there that Which is maybe everyone why she just knows slow, how much, you know, whether it be uh, uh, mercury or, you know, most the, the common layman doesn't know. Mm, like, much, if, yeah. if he starts foaming at the mouth, right, right. it looks awfully suspicious. Right, right. So you have to, like, today we have oh, the internet. Yeah, yeah. Today we have the internet. Or you have a book you can go look oh, up. Oh, so easy. Yeah, and they Back never found then, any they, kind of instructions. There's yeah. no instructions. There's not a, right. a working knowledge. And the fact that she understood, if she, if the assumption is, is that she wrote the letter knowing he's going to die. Right. She did some research, which would be nice yeah. to have some, uh, you know. So maybe. she said, so the, the mother, this is just a quote from the first conversation the mother had with her. So after she, the mother, the Baroness came back from Paris after to see her daughter, right? Because her daughter sent her a letter finally and said, you know, I'm sick or, you know, James is dead, right? Mm-hmm. So the mother arrives and she says, goes to her daughter and her daughter says, Florence says, they think I've poisoned Jim. Mm-hmm. And the mother says, poison Jim? Why, if he's poisoned, he poisoned himself. He made a perfect apothecary's shop of himself, yes, as we all know. Yeah. So everybody knew this. Right. And so that's, you're right. No, it it's makes either perfect the perfect cover, cover, perfect or, cover. or it's what killed him. We it's don't what know. killed him. What, so, so what I give is yeah. an, an example of, of, of evidence that would have been damning, like would have been perfect, yeah. is the cat thing. Like you could do the math. Like mm-hmm. I could figure that out. So what I do is I start with a couple cats and I give a certain amount and see the reaction. True. And yes. then you just do the math. You right. add a mass of, you know, uh, uh, 20 times its size. Right. And you, and you multiply the dose by 20, assuming that's a, yeah, yeah. a you know, one-to-one ratio there. That's true. And uh, one but yeah. but no one provided that as evidence. I don't think that hey, here she's no. got dead cats the only, in her backyard. Well, she's the only home. thing I heard was that uh, what they said was that they found that thing and they said it was puzzling. The servant said it's puzzling. They said she's got three cats she loves. The house had no problems with cats. There weren't stray cats everywhere. They said maybe the gardener had a problem, but like somebody might have complained, but why she would have that is kind of ridiculous. Like oh, you didn't, Gardner mention, would have you didn't mention that she had three cats also. Yeah, they mentioned that later. They said she had these oh. three pet cats. So why would she be poisoning cats? It doesn't make any sense. And mm. why would anyone poison cats in the first place? I don't get. Yeah, did she poison rats? Did she poison... Rats like... makes more sense, right? Right. Like mice, rats. You no, know, I'm, I'm saying like... The, I, I would assume... What I, the thing, the we piece, don't know who wrote that. The piece the that's missing for me is a... A test subject mm. where she's testing arsenic. That's a good point. Yeah. It could have been yeah, rats, yeah. mice, whatever, yes. uh, dogs. Right. Uh, like if anyone witnessed. Uh, right. You, no, you there's know, her, no explanation. You don't even need. That. You don't yeah. even need to see her do it. You just have right. to see a, a, a or cats. Her, hear about cats dying. You know, in in the area. Although she was possibly testing her husband. You know, like trying oh, that's things a out on him. Big risk there. There, there are other examples I've read about where the spouse is doing their, just that, like trying a little bit, doesn't work, try a little more, try a little more, and then eventually the person dies. And then they chalk it up to, because they kept getting sicker and sicker, and the doctors kept giving them more and more arsenic as a treatment. And so they would just ramp it up. So that sometimes people get away with that, usually not. Hmm. So here's another twist at the end, just a little factoid. Oh, I got one point, real no, quick. No, go ahead. Real quick. Go ahead. The and I just thought about like all the things that, that make it look like she's the murderer, but mm-hmm. you got to be careful. Sometimes if you if you look at it from another angle, 
Hmm. Why would she keep? So here, here's an example. Why would she keep a box of the very substance hmm. that she's using to kill? Saying it would be in her it closet. Would be, yeah. It would be akin to me murdering someone with a gun, right. and then having it Just in my house with my a closet. note saying. Gun, gun for, for killing cats. Killing cats, right? <laughs> it just makes no sense. That's true. There, so the, the one treatise that I read went into this whole conspiracy theory where they put five people together. The two brothers, Michael and Edwin, the nanny, Alice Yap, and then the neighbor, Mrs. Briggs, and her sister. I forget her name. And they, this guy was like set on this idea that these five people, for some reason, were just conspiring against her. Mm-hmm. But there was no motive. He didn't come up with a motive for why they would do that. Mm-hmm. They just He was just kind of going through the evidence and being like, now, why would they do this? Why would they do that? Yeah. You know, they must have been all against her. Okay. So whatever, take, the, take that as you may. Well, you have to have an open mind. Like I, I, yeah, yeah. Right, I started was, off with a certain point of view because mm-hmm. the information was being laid out that way. Yeah, yeah. But I can attack it from different uh, yeah. angles, and I think you should. You should be skeptical. I mean, she might have just been stupid. It's possible that she was just. People are stupid. All the information you give me, I can, you know, I can't, I can't make a, a definitive answer. Mm-hmm. It, the evidence points in both directions. There's nothing. There, there. The I can tear apart some of the evidence used against her, like the the box with the cat. Yeah. yeah. It, you know that that seems odd. And the glass, um, you know, all the mixed she items. Had, but she had all the elements needed. The time, right. the motivation. That's true. The, you know, when I say time, the, urg- the, ur- the urgency and the benefit right. of, of the, her husband's death. And they said, if you remember in the in that closet, they found the, uh, the bottle of meat juice that had no arsenic in it. Mm-hmm. And the theory was that at some point they had, um, you know, not let her in the room and that she had taken a bottle of poison meat juice and swapped it out for the clean one that was in the bedroom with mm-hmm. the husband. And then that the clean one ended up in her closet. And the, the idea was that basically she didn't know he would die so soon. And she was hoping to get rid of the evidence before, before he died. But once, she, once he died um, and she found out they were accusing her, I don't know. She had three days to get rid of the evidence. That doesn't make any sense well, either. Well, the fact that you you when you use the word she's getting rid of the evidence, it, it assumes that she understood that there's evidence there to get. No, if she, if she was doing it, which means she understood that yeah. this, if she had such a working knowledge of arsenic uh-huh. that it would kill him over a period of time uh-huh. in in small quantities. Oh which wait, would no, she didn't she have three days. They they searched her room like as soon as he died. She so. why would she once she has a box that says arsenic? She, and yeah. assuming that she had a working knowledge of arsenic, right. that she would have known that it would have been testable in his body, which she did not. Obviously, she was... The, she may not have known that. So why would she... That's my point. She yeah, did yeah. not know that because right. otherwise that would all point to her if she True. had evidence of it. True. You know, a box saying arsenic for cats. Mm-hmm. So why would she get rid of the evidence? If she didn't understand right. that evidence was to That's be had, true. you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So that right there doesn't make sense. You're right. If she didn't know that a test existed then I could see her just, um, because they were testing even before he died. Maybe they just didn't tell her. I mean, she could be dumb. That's possible. She was just she dumb and dumb. Could, it could connect dots. Right, right. That's possible too, that she would have been extremely sloppy. But then, but if you, but don't, also if you don't think they have a test and then you just have this random stuff in your closet, you know, let's say there's no test. Right, she assumes that would just be stuff in your closet, you know, a glass, right. a bottle, She whatever. would need to get rid of it. No one would, would make the connection. Yeah. yeah. And then you just say, well, that's poison Which I use for cats. Which points to someone who's oblivious on how arsenic yeah. works. Except that it might kill you 
in right. an underscored number. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, so two other things, just at the end here. Uh, just a detail about her son. Mm -hmm. uh, died in 1911 because he was a mining engineer. And some people think it was suicide. Some people think he just made a mistake. But okay. there was a glass with cyanide in it, and he thought it was a glass of water or intentionally drank it and died. So he died of cyanide poisoning as an adult. That's a, very, that's a coincidence. Probably coincidence. And then the other story, and probably accidental, the other thing is that there's this whole conspiracy theory that her husband James was... Um, Illuminati? Uh, Jack the Ripper. Okay, I'm done. And that she <laughs> killed him. And that she did everybody a favor because he was operating at the time. I forgot to look up the dates, but... You can coordinate the dates if you want to, 1889. And that apparently the murder stopped after this guy got killed. But I mean, of all the people in London mm -hmm. and, and Liverpool, come on, right? Like, it, it just sounds like yeah, people who so think let me get this I'm, I'm, I'm the reincarnation of yeah. uh, so Alexander now, the Great. Because it's that true, guy's famous. Then now we know that Jack the Ripper was a hypochondriac. <laughs> right. He loved to slash throats, get blood all over him. Which, right. If you're cutting the juggler, it's going everywhere. It's going everywhere. But he was okay with uh, being a hypochondriac, too. So, right. Well, not only that, he used to, like, slice people open and take out their organs. It's All horrible. kinds of sick shit. Yeah. Sick shit, yeah. yeah. It's not a hypochondriac, I tell you. Well, he was known to be a womanizer, so I think they thought he was frequenting prostitutes and, you know, case closed. Uh, I don't know if a hypochondriac would do that, either. Probably not. Well, he was very common. Well, he was hypochondriac. SDs were well You're right, known. he only had the one mistress that we know of. He might have been seeing other people, too. We don't, I'm not sure. It wasn't clear. So, okay, that's Florence Maybrick. That's, that's all I've got. I don't have any other evidence. Yeah, I thought there would be more information that was like, you would have to really work it explaining away, but all this information points in all different directions. If I had to guess, I would say that if I had to convict, I would have convicted her not guilty. Me too. Yeah, but, same thing. No, I, I absolutely thought. Not because she wasn't guilty, but because there just wasn't enough evidence. And they never said like... Like, they never seemed to test for fingerprints or anything like no, that? No, they didn't understand. They, that, that, no, they absolutely had fingerprints then. No, not the 1800, 1880s, no. That's when... Um, I think I thought it was like the turn of the century when they started, like... I don't uh, think so. They created I think a, this is about the time. Because um, uh, what's, okay. what's the famous guy, uh, Sherlock Holmes? Like, that was all fingerprints. He was doing fingerprints. He was made up, though. Well, yeah, but they were... He was writing... Was, the, books the books were written, were written about later. that time, oh. 1880s. Oh. Pretty sure. You're right. I could be wrong. Yeah, a little bit later, I think. I mean, yeah, you're right. I shouldn't base my knowledge of history on uh, fictional characters. Mm -hmm. uh, that is the story, and I hope you've enjoyed it. If you okay. did, rate and subscribe. And if you didn't, don't bother. Okay. It's all about the likes. More, right. more stories to come. <laughs> Do you... <laughs>Thanks for listening i just wanted to add a few clarifications to the discussion john was right fingerprints were not accepted in the english courts until 1911 and also jack the ripper was actively murdering people from august of 1888 to november of 1888 which was late in the year before james Madrick died that question is for a conspiracy theory podcast so i encourage you to go and look that up someplace else I will see you next time, and remember, don't drink the Kool-Aid.